Welcome to episode 17 of the Warrior Pulse podcast. Today I'm a little giddy because I am honored to have Ron Weber, the professor of integrated marketing communications here at Weber International University. Yes, his name is Weber. He's with 1B, Weber's with 2B. So we are very excited to have Ron with us today, Professor Weber. We're going to talk marketing. We're going to talk entrepreneurship. We're going to talk the Weber family. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. Ron is a vibrant, exciting, very into it professor here on the campus. So, Ron, thank you so much for joining us. Um, how's everything going in the world of marketing? Thank you, Trey, for inviting me here. Um, there's a lot of changes occurring in our field. If you want to go back to the 80s when I was going to college, it was all about advertising with newspapers, magazines, radio, and television. It was all one-way communications, but things have completely changed now. Now we have two-way communications, and you hear things about gamification, proximity marketing, virtual reality, game, augmented reality. So we have to stay abreast of our, our major. That actually leads me to my first quote. I'm always good about bringing quotes to the, uh, the podcast, and good marketing makes the company look smart. Great marketing makes the, com- the cu- customer feel smart. That's from Joe Chernoff. You were talking about it, and, and I just I learned something new this past week. This there's this thing called Discord, that is this place where you can go in and communicate. And there's actually financial communications going on in there, and people learning a, about Bitcoin has become real big. And and there's people talking about sports and in the marketing world. There's so much textbook stuff, but the textbook stuff is so old. How do you keep students engaged in What's happening now? It's difficult. Now, I've been teaching now for 27 years, and every year the students have different needs. They have different lifestyles. So what I'd like to do is ask the audience questions. I ask the students, you know, you tell me what um, changes are occurring out there. And we always start with this philosophy that you must give far more value than you ever expect in return. So as a professor, too, it's not enough for me just to talk about what's on the PowerPoint. I I get paid for to do that, but I try to make every single class engaging, creative, and I let my students participate as well. And that is one of the things, you're reading through your bio, you're a speaker, you do radio, um, you're a corporate trainer, you're a professor. How do you, in the modern world, keep because there are so many distractions and, and, and us old codgers, we're like, these kids are always on their phones, but that's where you reach people. How do you keep a classroom engaged when there are so many other ways for them to communicate? Oh, it's funny because those students who've ever had me in class know what I do with people on their cell phones during the time. I really want people to be focused while they're in there. If they're on their cell phone, I ask them kindly to please finish what they're doing and also get back and engage. But if I lecture too long, it doesn't take me very long. If I lecture for five minutes or ten minutes too long, all of a sudden students start being distracted, start daydreaming, looking out the window. So I really need to ask them intriguing questions to get them engaged in the class. Because if you don't, you're a loser. So that, that, that engagement part that you speak about, how do you stay modern? Because being a professor and, and, and I know as a coach, one of the one of the cool things I always enjoyed is when I was heavily involved in coaching, I knew the latest app. I knew the all the music the kids were listening to. So you kind of stayed in on the prof, 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 
professorial side, how do you stay abreast of what's going on? Because you're so ingrained in teaching the kids, how do you stay up on the current knowledge of what kids are doing? You know, that's actually a very good point. And things are changing so much in the field of marketing right now. Like I said, I got my master's degree back in 1992 before there was websites and social media. So it got to the point just several years ago that my students knew so much more about social media than I did. So talking about how do I stay abreast, I went back to college. I got another master's degree, my fourth one now, wow. in the field of social media at the University of Florida. And still to this day, I subscribe to the same articles my professors told me at the time, to the same authors, and what we do is stay abreast. And if you want to know about Bitcoin or uh, blockchain technology, there's all kinds of TED Talks and YouTube videos. If you don't like to be the person that reads, just go watch those videos and you can catch up on them in five minutes time. Yeah, I think that's such a valid point. I think we forget that Google, I, I think there's a there's a there's actually a segment of the youth now that are like, stop asking me questions, just go Google it. Yeah. And the number one search engine is Google. The number two is YouTube, because if you want to find it, it's there. And I think that's pretty amazing as a, as a society. You talked about in your bio, you talked about each individual has a unique talent and your, your job is to pull that out of them. Um, that's very coach. That's, that's a very coaching thing because each of my players plays a different way and has a different skill level. How do you get a kid to find that unique talent and make them understand that maybe this is a $70,000 a year talent, but you're going to have fun versus trying to pursue that $150,000 talent that you don't have? have. Yes. Yes. Uh, It's not always easy for some students to find out what their area of expertise is. I tell them from the very beginning, ever since you were 13 years old, people have been telling you, Mike, Chuck, Susan, you're good at this. Now, but you have to listen. A lot of times people don't think, oh, I'm not that good. You know, some of my students can speak multiple languages. Sometimes they tell you, Trey, you're such a good listener. Are you such a good talker? Some people need to realize they're good at something, and then they learn a way to monetize it. How could I contribute then my unique talent? For me, I think I always wanted to be a rock star. I always wanted to be a rock star, but I could not sing. <laughs> but, and I, I like to be a comedian, but I'm not funny. What could I do to be on stage to get some attention? So eventually I got a master's degree and I I taught one class and I thought, that's it. That's what I want to do. And every time a student gets excited about what I'm talking about, if that light bulb goes off over their heads, then I get excited. This is what I want to do. Then next time I go into class, I think, what can I do to be be better than that? I, I understand the talent thing. All I ever wanted to do is be a professional athlete. And I've played three sports at a national level and I ran out of talent in all three of them at the national level. <laughs> Did you? But I had great times. And I think that's also something that people don't realize is you can still have fun and maybe not hit your ultimate goal, but you learn a lot about yourself. Um, you talked about that, uh, that desire to, to give kids their unique talent and, and, and entrench that into them. Um, I'm curious, do you have any kids that really come back to you and say, you know what you told me five years ago, All ten years ago? And All what do those conversations go like? Uh, one of your dad's favorite tennis players from years ago, his name is Petter Olson. <laughs> I don't know if you remember his name. He graduated in 2002. Um, he's Swedish. And he texted me on Tuesday. It was his birthday, in fact, Groundhog's Day. And he says, Ron, I just have to 
give it to you. I go, what do you mean? There's one story you told me long ago that really stuck to me. I don't remember any of the classes we had together, but that one story that you said has really come true to me this particular week. And it's because he just became a dad. And uh, he's, got, he's got two children now. And he's talking about finding out a unique gift. And like it's really hard to see in my little son who's only two years old right now. But I said, back then, what you do is your gift. You should look at it as your contribution to society. Once you find out what that is, you don't even have to try to grow. You don't have to try to lift weights. It comes to you so natural. But just recognize it. You are good. You're really good at this. If your brain's not on fire yet, you're just not listening because Mr. Weber has so much passion for what he speaks about. Um, He's worked with Fortune 500 companies, and I actually wanted to touch on that. What is the difference in marketing or coaching a Fortune 500 company versus a mom and pop versus a young entrepreneur coming out? Are there there goals the same or are there... How do you strategize for each of those differently? Ah, okay. I'll give you some examples. Um, I do leadership programs with the University of Central Florida, and we have people there for executives at Disney, Fortune 500 company. And then we have some who's just an entrepreneur. They own a nail tech shop just right down the street. The goals may be, they're all the same, but they're different levels. One person wants to increase the value of their brand by $20 million by 2023. And another person would just like to make $100,000. So the level of the goals are different, but there's a lot of feelings, a lot of strategies that go with it that's the same. So I ask all my students and all the people who go through our programs, what is it truly that you want and why? Why do you want it? You, uh, marketing is kind of the core of what you do, the leadership training, but that marketing plays a big role. I, I know that you... You enjoy jogging. You enjoy golf. You were in cartooning. Yes. How did that lead to marketing? And do does your jogging and golf give you the time to process data that you can use when you're strategizing? You probably have some experience with that too. Oh, that's a load. It's three different questions. Yeah. In one right yeah. There. Sorry. Well, let's start with the whole jogging thing. I have good days and bad days, just like everybody else. Some days I'm really, really excited and I need to calm down. It doesn't help me just to be on a computer. I gotta be out. So I get out there and I'll go jogging. After I jog three miles, okay, I can relax a little bit. But then there's days when I feel, man, I just haven't accomplished anything in a while. Or I had a really bad day with a student. I yelled at a student for being on their cell phone or something. So I'm feeling bad. First thing I do is I'm gonna get home and I'll go jogging. Kind of Jogging kind of regulates me. And I'm getting back to that cartooning thing is what I started when I was in high school. A guy came to our high school looking to draw cartoons at Warner Brother theme parks in St. Louis, which is where I'm from. Okay. So I did that for five years, but I went and got a degree in the field of marketing. I just didn't know there's a whole lot of money to be made in art. But after I graduated, I bought the business from my old boss, and I did that for three years. And I thought, well, where else can I go to expand my cartoon business? Mm-hmm. That's what brought me down to Disney. I started drawing Disney. And then we got into drawing computers and animation. And I got involved with Disney. And so now what they do, they laid off like 300 artists all at one time because um, technology came around. No longer do they need us illustrators. So that's when I got into teaching back in 1996. Okay. And um, you're talking about marketing. You have that unique gift. What a lot of times people don't know is that 
they have they love what they do, but they just don't know how to monetize it. They just don't know how to turn it into something that people would pay money for. Yeah, and, and, I, and that is point. that is the hardest question to answer because we all have things we enjoy doing. Once it becomes a job, is it still going to be something we love doing? And I think that's a question that a lot of people banter with themselves and. And that's the exact question. How do I monetize this? I can tell you my wife and I run a real estate business and we think of those things all the time because yes, we sell houses, but how do we monetize some of the other services that are in that? And those are things that as adults we struggle with. So I can only imagine an 18 year old college freshman and a 22 year old college senior looking to move forward is the world is so digital. I, I, I can make a video right now by myself how come I'm not making money doing it? I see this dude on YouTube doing it. How come I can't do it? So I think it's a, a great ponderance. Um, I noticed you also like to play golf. I feel like golf is one of the most internalized sports that you can play. And I think everybody should try to play it because it is the most discipline you have to be with within oneself. Yes, yes, it is the most mentally taxing thing. Um, one of the marketing questions I wanted to ask you is, should you market yourself or should you market your product? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question. We were talking about that in class today. Almost everywhere you go, if any of you ever worked in some, like a, as a waiter or a waitress, if you ever gotten a tip, is it because you gave them more product or was it because you gave them more of you? And almost every time they'll tell me it's because I gave them more of me. Same thing goes with my students. My students will perform better in my test if they get more of me. I could be there present and just read off things off the PowerPoint, but students don't do as well. So if I want them to perform better on test, I need to give them more of me. So do we sell products or do we sell you? There's plenty of people out there who might need a product, but it comes from so-and-so who I don't like. Nope, I'm going to pass on it. Or there's a restaurant that I like to go to, but so-and-so works there. Nope. But if they love you, if they like you, they'll buy from you. In fact, if they don't need the product sometimes, they'll buy from you. Yeah. they like you yeah and and there's a few other things i want to touch on that um i'm a huge action sports fan uh, and it's something i'm passionate about and i follow and there is a marketer which we're going to touch on marketers there is a marketer that i also listen to quite frequently on podcasts because i, I love that medium of getting information while i'm on the go and he tells people all the time you need to be your own media company well red yeah. bull Red Bull mm -hmm. is a energy drink maker, but they also are one of the largest media companies that is not NBC, CBS, Fox. They create their own media. How does an individual such as Joyce and Isabella and myself who are sitting in this room, how do we become our own media company? And what does that mean in small business, being our own media company? There's different levels on these things too. If you have a lot of time and expertise to do editing, software development, if you can build a website, there's a lot of skills that you may not be able to get, um, but there's all kinds of free sites you can get. If you have a regular cell phone, you can create videos on you. If you want to do some simple editing and some simple sound effects, you can. And a lot of times that's enough, but it's not the, the, the sound effects or the special effects that people want from you. The thing that they want from you most is you and your personality. So building a multimedia company is good if you can distribute it, but if you can more just give out you inside the video. 
think that's better. One of one of the I'll say OG uh, to stay up with the young kids. One of the OG marketing gurus from from the day was Seth Godin, and he says, "Everyone is not your customer." Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, we talk us all the time in our classes about a target market. Don't try to please everybody. If you try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. Imagine a car company trying to create a car that pleases everybody. Fuel efficient or sporty, family to hauling a boat. You'll do so much better if you decide who your target market is and develop a product or service to meet their specific needs. Does that go to the same mantra of the... 1,000 raving fans type thing. If you can have 1,000 people that yes. will support you, you, you do that. Um, since you so are so ingrained and you um, work on so many levels, I mean, literally, you're, you're the grassroots guy and you're the professional guy when it comes to marketing. Who are some, because kids today, college students, adults, we all have these mechanisms that we can find these answers. Who are some marketing leaders that you follow? Like I, I follow the C, he used to be the CEO of Yum Brands. Um, great, great leader, great guy. It's not so much in marketing, but just entrepreneurial leadership and and staff leadership. Um, there's some others that I also follow, but who are some examples of people that you're like, I like their ideas, I like their thought processes, and it's a, maybe a good follow for, for students or adults. The people who I follow are people who are in my particular industry, like the educational industries. So I like some of the more popular trainers that are out there that know how to market themselves. Anthony Robbins is, a, is one like that. In the past, it was uh, Brian Tracy was another mm-hmm. one who did this. Uh, but more importantly, I think it's just uh, important that people just identify who, what their unique talent or skill is and find somebody else who's already out there who's already successful at what you do and model what they do. Do what they did to be successful and you do the same. I like it. I like it a lot. I actually have, I've actually read some Tony Robbins stuff. I, I feel like sometimes there is so much information. You can take this piece and this piece. Are you more of take this piece and this piece or are you more of follow this person? If you're going to jump in, follow this person and do everything they say. Are you, are you more of that or are you piece by piece? Oh, I, I'm piece by piece. piece, by piece. I guess when I was in the old days, Maybe when I was in my 20s, I went verbatim. You know, somebody told me, I took step one, step two, step three, step four, five. I did those. But now I have a lot more life experiences. I like some of the things that Ozzy Smith as a shortstop for the, yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. And then some of the, you know, the Super Bowl, some of the things that they do. I take bits and pieces of what's successful and apply it towards me. So do you, can you backflip? No. <laughs> no. Speaking of the, I don't know if we're allowed to say Super Bowl, but we're going to say Super Bowl, the big game this weekend being hosted right here in Tampa. How does a marketing professional look at the Super Bowl versus a sports fan? What are you looking for in the Super Bowl? Uh, marketing people look at the Super Bowl as a chance to advertise and reach over 110 million households in the United States. And they think there's going to be a lot more people watching this year, more households watching it, because people are staying away from group activities. So Super Bowl is actually one of the only events on TV that people actually tune in purposely to watch the commercials. And there's been a lot of talk in, on the marketing side of things that uh, Coke, Pepsi, Budweiser have all pulled the ads that they are going to run and they're taking that funding and they're doing it for COVID relief. That's outstanding. Are those, is that a, is that a marketing ploy as well? 
in the end, every business is in business to make money. So what they do to take their money, they probably are probably going to put a commercial on Super Bowl, tell them that they're taking their money and put it towards COVID victims and relief, which is good, but it's helped build up their brand. They help build up their public relations, their feeling, rather than getting people to go out there and buy a beer right now. I'm so glad you said that, and this is going to be just a quick Heath rant for a moment. I don't believe there's anything as true altruism, because I believe anytime you do something good, and you tell people that you've done that good, you're trying to get that goodwill. The true altruism comes when you give the guy on the street $5, and you don't tell your best friend you gave him $5. Um... So that marketing goodwill is important, especially in these days and times. That it's really important for companies or and consumers to see that companies are are honoring that goodwill and doing the right things. On companies trying to cause no conflicts or no nothing, but you are a marketing guy. What is something Weber International University does well marketing themselves? Mm-mm. Weber understands their target market. They know there's a bunch of people out there, a bunch of students who like to continue on playing their sport. There are some universities will offer that as an opportunity to play at a collegiate level and get a degree. Weber does a good job at selling that part of it. We could do more, I think, in regards to letting know that all the great academic programs that we have here on campus but we need to do this through the new emerging media that's coming up, and it challenges us sometimes. I actually wanted to ask you that. You kind of jumped ahead on me there. I actually wanted to ask, what is something, if you were given the reins for the day, and you were like, here's your marketing budget, write a check, and let's go at it, do we even need that big of a check, or do we just need more interaction from the existing students, putting them on those media platforms to get people into the... What is something that Weber could improve on because you just talked about what they're good at. And like I said, we're not throwing punches. We're actually, we're talking with marketing. So what is something that we can improve on to uh, enhance Weber even more? We need to totally engulf all the new emerging media that is available out there to help build up the brand. When you build up a strong brand, people automatically think, wow, what a good brand. I can get a good education there. So you attract great quality students. You can attract great quality professors to come to school here. So we need to adapt and learn all the new emerging media out here between gamification, augmented reality. We need to make videos and get the students and the professors to create content and then build relationships with a broad group of people. Instead of 10,000 followers on Facebook, we need to get 25 to 30,000 followers on there. And the only way you can do that is to find content inside social media, ask them to become friends, and eventually come to school here. And Weber, I love, I love it. I actually love it. I'm really giddy today just because I, I, I love the marketing <laughs> side of things. I'm a, I am of the opinion that a team, like we tout our, we tout our successes. When a team wins, we cheer them on. When they lose, oh, they went down. I believe that you show the right athlete, hey, this team lost today. They say to themselves, you know what? I can go in there and I can win. We, if I'm playing, we win. So what? how do we get the students to buy in, the staff to buy in, the professors to buy in that, hey, we need more of you visually? You know, and there are multiple ways. It is video, but there are still people that read. We need, blog, we need bloggers. 
we need uh, video, we need audio, we need all of these things. How do we get that buy-in and can it be started with five people and they push it out and maybe six the next year, seven, 10, 20? How do we get that and, and when can we start? We need to be trained. A lot of people need to be trained and to find out what are the more popular people. And it's about building relationships. The reason people respond is because they want to be involved in that professor. The reason why, and every student will tell you almost why they chose that major, why they did well on that test is because I can relate to that professor. It's about relationships. And I can understand that professor or that coach, in fact. Um, so how could we do more of that? is by start by building relationships. I, I don't I don't disagree one bit. Um, you are a professor here and we've had a lot of students in the studio to interview them and one thing they always talk about is how the professors are there for them. So on as the host, I'm gonna say thank you to the professors for always being available to the students. Um, with that being said, on the I always ask the students, how did you choose Weber? So I'm gonna ask Professor Weber, how did you choose Weber? <laughs> it's quite interesting. I worked for the Ledger newspaper in 1993, long, long time ago. And like I said earlier, I would like to be a rock star, but maybe I could become a college professor. Weber International University, which was called Weber College back in 1993. Yes, it was put an ad in the newspaper that I was working for. It says, we're looking for an adjunct professor at a, another location that we have here. So I applied for it. I guess they were in a hurry because I'm 27 years old. They said, okay, you're hired, go teach it. <laughs> and that, that's how I got involved with Weber International University. And then I also teach at some other universities throughout the 90s and the 2000s, early 2000s in Orlando area. But that's how I got into it. And, and one of the questions that I'm always supposed to ask, and I failed to ask a couple episodes ago, was what does it mean to be a warrior? I would look at that as something you really, truly want. Acknowledge what you really want and be don't be shy about it. Go out and get what you want. Tell people, this is what I want. Tell the universe, this is what you want. And... Be, don't be relentless. Just go out and get it. Well, if you if you weren't excited and you don't know Professor Weber, stop in, see him, reach out to him on social media, reach out through him to him through the school. He does training. He teaches. You might find him on a golf course. You might find him out running. Be careful when we're out running. We like to run and we don't like to dodge vehicles. So you'll see him around campus. He's exciting. He's very, very, very personable, and we were honored to have you here today to speak with us and talk to us, and I could have gone on for some more, but I don't want to get too in-depth with too much stuff, but I want to thank you all for joining us for episode 17 of the Warrior Pulse, and we will definitely have Mr. Weber back again for another episode. Have a great day. Bye-bye.